Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good morning. As I was uh, praying through this gospel earlier this week, as I was just sitting with these lines from this incredibly challenging, challenging section from Luke's gospel, um, there's a scene from a movie that bubbled up in my imagination. And oftentimes I'll like, I, like, that's just often how the Lord speaks to me in movie scenes. And so this one was from Christopher Nolan's movie, Batman Begins. Okay, now, I know, Batman movie, gospel, just give me a second. Okay. So there's a scene in the Batman Begins where Bruce Wayne, who, if you haven't seen the movie, is Batman. Okay, so Bruce Wayne, he's in his mansion. He's hosting this big party for all these, you know, affluent guests. And suddenly he realizes that there's this threat that's, you know, come to all the people in his house. And he really quickly needs to get them out of his mansion. And so he turns and he starts making this speech to all the people in his house. And he starts basically to insult all the guests. He's being rude. He's being snarky. He's being cutting and cruel. And he's just quickly dismissing them, getting the crowd out of his house. That was the image that bubbled to my mind when I'm asking Jesus, what are you doing in this gospel? Why are you talking to the crowds this way? You have to imagine this. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are now journeying with Jesus. It's as if he just casually turns to them and lays upon them what we just heard in this gospel. Some of the most intense words that we've heard. It's like, Jesus, are you just exhausted with these people following you? Are you just exasperated with their questions? Exasperated and just done with meeting their needs? Are you just like, okay, I know what I'm going to say that will get them to disperse. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell these people, you know, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to hate all the people that you naturally love. That should do it. And then if that's not enough, I'm going to tell them that they got to carry a cross every day and follow me. And, and not just like the little annoyances of life. They've got to be willing to be tortured to death for me. Crowd disperses, right? It should be obvious. It should be obvious that that's not what he's doing. He's not trying to get the crowd to walk away. But it's not as obvious what, like, what are you doing? What are you saying, Jesus? Like, how do we make sense of this? Because it's, it, you almost get this feeling, at least I did, like, Jesus, you can imagine people in the crowd, Jesus, who do you think you are? Like, who are you that you would ask this of me, that you would demand this of me, that you would lay claim to the first love of my life like this, that you would relegate all the other natural good relationships in my life to second place at best, that you would supersede even love for my mother and father, which is, by the way, a commandment of the law, lest you forget Jesus, right? Honor thy father and mother, and you seem to claim to yourself, abrogate to yourself an authority even over this commandment. And, and what, you're even asking me to be tortured to death on the Roman, exec- on the Roman form of execution, state-sponsored terrorism, crucifixion. Who do you think you are? He's laying out for them. He, as he spells out later in this gospel, he's laying out for us, he's laying out for them the cost of discipleship, the cost of discipleship. He didn't come, friends, he didn't come looking for admirers. He came looking for followers. He didn't come looking for fans. He came looking for disciples. There's a huge difference. 
there was a church down the road from my first assignment. I was in Cleveland Heights. There was a church on Coventry, an evangelical church that met inside of a, uh, like an old movie theater. <clears throat> and there was a marquee sign that was outside the church that would scroll day and night with these big red letters that would go through. And they said, we exist to make Jesus famous. Like, did he ever ask that of us? Like, did he say, thou shalt be my PR agents? He didn't say, make me famous. He said, follow me. Like, we exist not to make him famous. We exist to make him followed. He wants followers, not admirers. He doesn't want PR marketing agents. He wants disciples. But to follow him in the way that he's laying out to us, the way that he's asking to follow him in this way of discipleship, demanding everything of us, it necessitates that something else has to happen first on our end. Last week, I don't know if any of you caught the homily that my buddy Father Ryan Mann preached on the Feast of St. Bartholomew. He's the one who also contributes homilies on Slake and Thirst with me, but he preached a homily on the Feast of St. Bartholomew. Bartholomew, of course, was one of the, the 12 apostles. Also, Nathaniel was his name, right? So Bartholomew, Nathaniel, he was martyred. And one of the things that Father Ryan said in the beginning of his homily is just something I can't get out of my head. This is what he said. He asked this question. He said, what enables someone to say yes to Jesus? To stay faithful to Jesus, even if that means being filleted alive like St. Bartholomew was and crucified like so many of the apostles were. It wasn't willpower, he said. So what is it? It's totally falling in love. It's totally being in love with Jesus. Friends, if I may, like that's what has to happen first. That's what's at the root of this radical gospel. That's what he's whispering to us in our hearts when he's making these demands on us of discipleship. It's like he, he's saying to us, like, I'm not a cult leader that you have to follow blindly to whatever end. No, he's saying like, no, I, I, am, I am love himself. I'm the bridegroom lover of your soul. I am the heart of heaven. I'm the one you are looking for in all of your desiring. I am everything which you seek when you seek for happiness. I am what your heart was made for. I am the banquet that corresponds to your hunger. I am the drink that corresponds to your thirst. And if you would finally let my love conquer you, if you would let me in, you would, you would follow me to whatever end. Because that's what love does, no matter the cost. Like the kind of discipleship that he wants, it doesn't come from willpower, like Father Ryan was saying. It comes from falling wildly in love with Jesus. It's love that changes everything, and, and love alone makes like, seemingly impossible things possible. Love alone is what makes unendurable things endurable. It makes suffering possible. Love is what makes suffering possible. Love alone is what makes it possible. So many of you already know this, especially I know the moms who are here, you know this. The relationship between love and suffering making the impossible possible. Your very bodies are a testament to this of every child that you have lovingly born into the world, that you have suffered into the world is a testament to this, that love and suffering go together. Love is what makes the suffering possible. 
was reading a book over the past year. It takes me like sometimes years to read some of these powerful books. This is a book called Tortured for Christ by a Lutheran pastor named Richard Warmbrand. He was in the Soviet gulag for about 15 years, two different stints. First time for seven years, second time for eight years. He suffered tremendously. I mean, that just, even to say that is like, there aren't words to describe the kind of suffering he endured. But in his memoir, this book, Tortured for Christ, he said this, listen. I've seen Christians in communist prisons with 50 pounds of chains on their feet, tortured with red-hot iron pokers, in whose throats spoonfuls of salt had been forced, being kept afterward without water, starving, wet, suffering from cold, and praying with fervor for their communist torturers. This is humanly inexplicable. It is the love of Christ which was poured out in our hearts. Friends, this is the question. This is what this gospel is asking us, to actually confront this question. Will we follow Christ into the dark night of suffering when we actually have to shoulder the cross? Not the theoretical cross, not the, the cross of Christian imagination, not the cross that's just simply a piece of jewelry, but the cross of actual suffering. When following Jesus, when discipleship actually means that I'm going to suffer, I might suffer the loss of relationships, even with people who are so close to me, that following Jesus might actually mean that in, these, in my workplace, these morally ambiguous situations, which are no longer morally ambiguous, are demanding of me to take a stand that there's a line drawn and I need to cross it. If following Jesus, when it actually means that I might lose something, something precious, I might lose everything. Like, will we do that? Will I do that? This is what I was looking at and facing this week, this question of like, God, please, I hope to God that I would. But it's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of love. Like arising out of my heart this week was just this, this prayer deep, like from the, the deepest places of my heart, Jesus, please give me the grace to fall in love with you more. Like I want to burn for you. I want to... I want to be so sold out for you that nothing else matters. Jesus, I am so compromised in so many ways, but Lord, please give me the grace to fall more in love with you. And the thing is, he doesn't just want that for me because I'm a priest. This is not just for priests. It's not just for deacons. It's not just for religious or pastors or bishops or cardinals or popes. This is, this is for you. This is what he wants for you, for your walk, for your marriage. This is what the Second Vatican Council envisioned for the lady, that the mission and vocation of the lady is total transformation unto glory in Christ, that you too are called to the heights of sanctity. Like this parish, right, sacred heart of Jesus parish, our parish, the iconography of the sacred heart, you see Jesus' heart aflame. It's not an accident. It's not just, you know, well, how about we put some flames there? No, it's, it's a symbol of the burning charity of Jesus' heart for every single soul. That he burns for us, that we would burn for him. He thirsts for us, that we would thirst for him. And like, friends, all I want, all I want as your priest is to help you fall more in love with him. Like, I, that's, the, that's the agenda of a very simple life. Wake up in the morning, 
coffee first. And then daydream about how to help you fall in love with him more. That's it. That's the entire agenda. Because that's the only thing that's going to actually make a difference. Knowing more about him, head knowledge isn't enough. Knowing more facts about him isn't enough. It wasn't simply Bartholomew's head knowledge of Jesus that capacitated him to endure the suffering that he did. It was the fact that he was totally in love. I mean, you know this. So many of you know this. It's love that makes the cross possible. There's that scene in the Passion where Jesus is receiving his cross and he's already bloodied and ripped to shreds, crowned with thorns and cloaked with his robe and he is thrown to the foot of the cross and he embraces it. So many of you have embraced some powerful, heavy crosses. Some that we know and some that we don't know. But the only thing that makes it possible is love. Like, like I became a priest, not because it was a calculated thought or decision, like, that seems like a good career path. No, I became a priest because when I was 16 years old, I met love hidden in the monstrance. A love that knew me from all eternity, that drew me deeper and deeper into a heart. And as that happened, I found myself confronted, being confronted by a love that wanted to love me in all my parts, which weren't all lovely. Like there was so much in me that was not lovely. And he kept knocking on those places. And to discover, as I have over these years, that I'm lovable in those places, that he looks at me there. Like St. Augustine said, I gazed into my darkest sin and I saw you there and I was astonished. I knew after tasting that, like there was no going back. Like my chips were cashed. It was, I was done. I knew that like for the rest of my life, I would spend the rest of my life inviting people to come to this place of total vulnerability of encountering a love that changes every, a love that is bigger than anything in the universe. But the thing is this, like I'm, I'm a peacetime priest we're a peacetime church right now. Like none of us have been formed in an era when being a Christian was hard. Like none of us thought this morning when you got dressed to come to church, you put your cross necklace on. No one was thinking, is this too risky? Is this going to cost me by going to Mass this morning? We live in an era of the church's history. We live in a part of the world where it's comfortable. But friends, I really do fear that those days are running out, that the sand in the hourglass is drawn short, that one day soon, comfortable suburban Christianity is going to be a thing of the past. Like homilies that just tell us, just be nice, get along, are going to be so irrelevant when we consider our situation. This is, this is the fork in the road. Like, we will be wild lovers of Jesus or we won't be anything at all. We will be sold out disciples or we won't be anything at all. Admirers of Jesus fall away when the persecution starts. Lukewarm disciples get spit out in the book of Revelation. 
I don't know when this is coming. I don't know if it's next year, five years, ten years, fifty years from now. I don't know. I think it's, it's not my job to know. It's my job to prepare us, to prepare you, which means to help you fall in love with him. But you can't love what you don't know. You can't love what you don't spend time with. So that's the question, how to help you know him, this faith, this church, so as to fall more radically in love with him. I've mentioned over the last few weeks, one of the things that we're initiating in this parish over this next year is a more intentional adult faith formation. Got a few different opportunities. One that I've mentioned is the whole, we renamed the RCIA process Becoming Catholic last year. And this year, the leadership team, we're opening that whole process up to the entire parish. So it's not just becoming Catholic, it's becoming a better Catholic also, right? And you're invited every Wednesday down here at McMahon Hall. Me, Deacon Rich, and Chris Serger, we're going to be teaching the entire year. Awesome formation. Come to learn so as to love him more. It starts September 28th. You don't have to sign up, just show up. And speaking of Deacon Rich, Deacon Rich is going to be quite busy this year, at that he isn't already quite busy this year. But Deacon Rich, we're going to be unleashing his gifts and talents in this parish in some new ways. He's going to be spearheading some really awesome adult faith formation and small group ministry. And uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty powerful. So that's your, that's your appetizer. More on that in the coming bulletins. You'll hear more about that soon. Friends, the bottom line is Jesus doesn't want, he doesn't want admirers, he wants followers. He wants us to be in love with him. And the thing about love is you can't manipulate him. You can't control it if it's a thing of love. He wants everything. He wants our time, our past, our present, our future, our money, our marriage, our family life, our fertility. He wants all of it without remainder. And the only way that that makes sense to give him everything without remainder is if there's love. Love is the only way that this will ever make sense. So our prayer this week, Jesus, we beg of you, pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us, increase in us a burning charity that we would burn for you, that we would fall more in love with you, that we would be sold out radical disciples to whatever cost. Amen.